Hello and welcome to MMA Fight Club. I'm your host, Manuel Galarza. Today we're going over the full breakdown for UFC Fight Night, Gagne vs. Volkov, also being called UFC Vegas 30. This event's taking place the 26th of June, Saturday event with a very early start time of 1 p.m. Eastern. In total right now, we have 13 total bouts. There's no championships on the line, but there is a nice heavyweight bout there in the main event between Gagne and Volkov. We'll start with the prelims, and then we'll work our way all the way up to the main card, giving you our picks for who we think is going to win, any prop bets that stand out to us, and hopefully we're going to help you catch some bets. Coming off of PFL and uh, Bellator last night, feeling really good. We went 7-3 and three in both cards, so 14-6 and six combined. Hopefully, we're bringing some of that same mojo over here to this UFC card. So, let's jump right into it with the first fight here on the prelims. And that's going to feature Demir Hadzavik versus Yancey Medeiros. Now, I will tell you, went back and forth. Initially, I thought I was going to be on Hadzavik. I, I was pretty firm on it. Um, but, you know, something happened last night with PFL and Bellator. And it got me to thinking, when you get these close fights that are in prelims especially, where it's like, listen, you're not laying a lot of cake. You're, you're just, you know, maybe you're not even betting a fight, right? Because you're sort of like, you know, you just want to maybe see a little bit. You want to have a little bit of the line. But it's not a main event. Sometimes the fighters don't have a lot of experience, right? There's a lot of question marks. Because of that alone, I'm going to lean towards Medeiros. Now, I'll tell you this. You look at his recent record. He's lost three straight fights in a row. Got it. I understand that. It's very concerning. Look at Hatsavik. He's lost two fights in a row. Okay, so both these guys combined are coming off of five straight, five straight losses, right? But look at the quality of losses that Yancey suffered, right? He's lost to guys like Cowboy Cerrone, Gillespie, and Venata. So he's lost against some very good opponents. I would be willing to argue that all three of those guys, Cowboy Cerrone, Gillespie, and Venata, all three of those guys are better than Demir Hadzavik. So just from that standpoint, that's one factor, right? Now, as for Demir Hatzavik, really don't like the way he lost his last fight. Now, he fought Renato uh, Moicano, who we're going to talk about later on in the card. But Moicano went in there first round, rear naked choke, super easy. Looked like Demir didn't even want to be in there. He gave very little fight. Wasn't good. His prior fight, he lost a decision versus Christos Giagos. Didn't look great there either. I have questions now about where he's headed. Now, he's 34, but something about him sort of suggests he's like an older 34 Whereas Yancey Miedros, who's been around the block, it feels like he should be older. They're both old 34s. They're both old 33 and 34s. Um, anyway, again, I'm not going to try to make a bunch of rocket science out of this. I think if you have a pick it's a prelim fight. Miedros has fought a lot of good people. He's been with a lot of good guys. I think all three of the last losses he had are better opponents than Hazavik. He's going to come in here probably feeling like, wow. Got myself an easy opponent today. At least I can get through this, get back in the win column. So going to take Mineros as a one-unit bet. And if I had to decide exactly how it gets done, I think, um, I mean, there's just two ways. Either submission, which is not too far-fetched because Hatsavik just got submitted, right? Maybe a submission or possibly a decision. But I do like Yanti Mineros. And again, I'll qualify that by saying I was on uh, Demir at first. So I can understand if you're, like, not sure either. But... Uh, yeah, I'm on Yanti to win this fight as the uh, opening uh, fight here on the prelims. All right, moving on up to the next fight in the prelims, which is going to be Charles Rosa versus Justin James. This one right here is another close one on the money line. You got Rosa as a slight favorite anywhere from like 160 to 170. It's been going up and down. Um, and you got James around 130 to 150, plus 130 to plus 150. And a uh, little surprise because I think when you look closely at these two fighters, the conclusion you'll come to is that Rosa is by far and away the fighter who's been in there with better opponents who, yeah, I mean, that, that one is a really big glaring to me, like a plus for Rosa. Now I get like the issues that people have with Rosa. Like I, I get that he's, he's lost some fights recently. Um, you know, he's two and three in his last five fights. So is James though, right? Um, I would just make this simple. Consider it like this. Okay, let's say you have two equal fighters and you're not sure who's going to win here. And you're looking for a difference, right? I don't think they are equal, but just simply look at who they fought, you know? And when you look at Charles Rosa, 13 and 5, so he hasn't fought a lot. But look at the losses, you know? Derek Minner, Bryce Mitchell, you know, Shane Burgos, Yair Rodriguez. Like, 
he's lost against some decent guys. You know, in between all that, he's gotten some okay wins. I mean, Kevin Aguilar, split decision, eh. But Aguilar is a decent fighter. Manny Bermudez, you know, okay. I would just say, listen, he's been able to hang in there with some good fighters. Like, the combined record of the last three fighters that he's fought, their combined record is 41-12. and 12. Kind of gives you an idea. Like, he's been in there with some tough opponents, whereas when you look over at Jane's, Justin hasn't really fought anybody very credible. He's 16 and 7. He's got three straight losses. Now, now what I well, I should rephrase that. He did lose to Gavin Tucker and Benitez and Smith, his last three fights. So those were decent fighters. Now he has a win over Frank Camacho. That was back in 2020, about a year ago. So I'll say this. Every single bit of information that I've collected on Jane suggests that he may even not be at the level that would warrant him being here in this fight. That this is like he has no business being in this ring. So Rosa's minus 167. I just said a little bit ago how if the fight is close, let's take the dog, especially on the prelims. Here, though, I don't think it's close. I do think Rosa wins this fight. I do think he's able to lean upon his experience. I don't think James is able to keep up with him. Uh, I think Rosa wins the fight. I think he wins it going away. How does he win it? You know, that's a good question. I, I have to say it's probably going to be much like the Yancey Madero's fight. It's either going to be him getting a submission or him getting a decision. And probably more times than not, it'll be a decision here. Um, but then again, listen, I, again, back to James. James. This dude is not a very good fighter. So you're taking a prop bet, take a stab at uh, Rosa to get a submission. So, yeah, that's where we're at here. Ron Rosa to win the fight. And for a prop bet, Ron Rosa gets a submission for the victory. Okay, next fight in the prelims is going to be Marcin Prachnyal versus Ike Villanueva. And I dove into the numbers, started looking at the fighter, you know, you know, of history. And and I came across Prachnyal losing via TKO to Sam Alvey. Let me tell you, when I first started to <laughs> jump into the world of wagering on MMA... Uh, or just even becoming more of an avid fan, not even just wagering, just an avid fan and follower. I came across this dude, Sam Alvey, and I was so blown away with how <laughs> poor of a fighter I thought he was. I'm just going to put it out there. There's no better words. I thought he was a very poor fighter, that he just wasn't very good. I, I, I was astonished whenever he was anywhere near a favorite or close to. I, I mean, I faded him so hard anytime I saw him on a card because I saw his fights in the past. The guy's not very good. I don't know how he amassed any of his wins. And so when I look here at Prochniel, Prochniel got TKO by Sam Alvey. And the minute I saw that, I have it in my notes. It was the first thing that popped out to me. And I said, because of that alone, I absolutely cannot, 100% cannot support Prochniel winning the fight. Now, that would be a cheap <laughs> breakdown. So I'm not going to just sit on that and tell you that's the only reason why. But that is a big, glaring, glaring issue for me. Okay. Now, Beyond that, beyond the fact that he got TKO by Sam Alvey, he has had some chin issues, okay? He's had some chin issues. Now, he's favored here. He's minus 2 215. Partially is because of the Roundtree fight, right? He went ahead and he beat Roundtree, um, and he won that fight by decision. And it's like, okay, Roundtree's got a decent name, and that's just how these numbers roll sometimes. Like, guy gets a decent win. It's over, I guess, a well-known opponent. And next thing you know, he's getting kind of a rub, right? Um, before beating Khalil Roundtree, he was on a three-fight losing streak. Okay, losing to Mike Rodriguez, Magomed Ankalaev, and Sam Alvey. Sam Alvey. I mean, the Sam Alvey fight was in 2018, so like three years ago. But still, Sam Alvey. You know, TKO lost. Now, in the fights, how he lost? That's super important here. Rodriguez. Okay, first round, elbow knockout. Okay, against Ankalaev, first round, head kick. Against Sam Alvey, guess what? First round punches. Dude went three rounds and three fights over that span of 2018 to 2020, getting knocked out in all those fights. Then gets a decision win against Cleo Roundtree, who is eight and five. You know, it's not like he's a world beater. So, yeah. Now he's coming in here, though, as a minus 215 favorite against Villanueva. It's like, what What are you smoking, man? I'm, I'm nowhere near that. So... On the dog here with Ike Villanueva. Now, talking about Ike Villanueva for a second, I gotta at least cover that. There's definitely holes in his game, so I don't want to come off as like, oh, he's you know, he's perfect by any means. Um, just real quickly looking at his recent fight, you know, fighter history. Uh, 
So, yeah, he's coming off of a win where he knocks out uh, Moreira with a nice overhand right. It's kind of like a... It looked nice, but it wasn't like a really big punch. I, I don't think that actually Ike Villanueva has a lot of knockout power. I'll say that. So, even though he came, he's coming off of here a knockout uh, win, and he's, he even has some other knockouts in his in his history. He's actually got quite a few, but... Um, which, again, I, watching the guy fight, he throws a lot of punches that are just for points, just a touch. Doesn't really, you know, turn his hips very much. So his, his power, I think, is, is not really a big big part of his game. But with that said, like, with that said, I mean, Prochdiao's not very good. I think if Ike Villanueva just stays busy for three rounds, he squeaks out a decision. I think he's going to walk him down because he likes to walk down the, the guy in front of him. He's busy with his hands. He could take a few punches. Um, and he gets a win here. And look, even if let's say this, even if you're looking at <clears throat> Ike Villanueva and you're saying to yourself, okay, like, like the Jordan Wright fight, like he's getting beat in that fight, and that's back in uh, August of last year. It gets stopped because of uh, it gets stopped in round one because of a cut, right? And it was a pretty bad cut, and he was getting beat. You know what I mean? But he still was able to lay hands on this kid. You know, he still was able to touch Jordan Wright a little bit. Um. I think with Prochnia, who just doesn't have a lot of great head movement, I have a lot of questions again about everything from cardio to durability to, you know, to the to the fashion that he loses his fights. I mean, he's got a chin issue. If, if Ike Villanueva hits him, and the thing is, again, I don't think Ike has knockout power. I can't say it enough. Like, in my opinion, I know the record shows he's got knockouts, and he's probably going to knock this guy out. You put Ike Villanueva in, in with the top guys in the division, those punches are not going to knock those guys out, but probably he's going to knock out Prachnio. So the long and short of it is we are on Villanueva to win the fight. I think the prop bet here, two two different ones you could look at, either by decision or he knocks out Prachnio. Um, but either way, we're on the 37-year-old Villanueva to get a slight upset here. He's a plus 170 dog, and that is the third dog that we're on of the first four uh, fights. But look, again, these are prelim card fights. Some of them are close. We might as well lean towards the best value. Um, and, you know, again, it's a pickup. Might as well sit on the side. We're going to get paid out more. So let's move on. All right. So the next fight in the card is Worley Alves versus Jeremiah Wells. I'm going to spoil it right now for you. I'm on Wells, plus 187. I'll tell you why in a second. I know I'm on the island with this one. Uh, yeah. I know most people are on Wells. Now, I also understand, as most people do, too, that Jeremiah Wells is a late replacement. But I think him being a late replacement, okay, is a is a factor that's going to affect both fighters. Also going to affect Alves. Alves has been a little inconsistent uh, of late. And what I mean by that is when he first started his career off, he started off like something like almost like 14, 12 and 0 or 11 and 0, somewhere around there, right? Now he's 14 and 4. And when you look at his like last eight fights, he's four and four in his last eight fights. So here's a guy who starts his career off, like I said, 11 and 0, 10 and 0 around there. Now in his last eight fights, he's four and four. Okay, so clearly like starting to slow down. Okay, not winning as high of a clip. He lost to Randy Brown in 2019, triangle choke. Okay, Randy Brown's a decent fighter. Lost to James Krause. Okay, got got TKO'd in round two. I know James Krause is like a household name now as the coach and stuff like that. Watched him fight. He's not necessarily a world beater. He's not. He's better off coaching. Let's put it that way. Um, he lost to Kamar Usman in 2016. That was a long time ago. Uh, not a bad loss, right? So my point is, like, which version of Wells is going to show up? And then that's where I lean back around to the numbers. Do you want to bet minus 240 on someone that, really should probably be minus like 140. This is way too high. We don't know what Wells is going to come in here as. Is he going to come in here in really good shape? Dude's built, man. Dude's built. Looks like he's in very good shape. He is 34, so like he looks like he might be younger than Alves, but he's actually four years his senior. Here's what I'm saying. This fight here is a lot of unknowns. I think the dogger pass is very, very much in play here. I don't like using that term more than twice on a, on a single full card. So I'm using it for the second time. Let's hope it's the last time on this card. But I think the Wells, Wells situation here is a good dogger pass. I would hate to be on Alves, right? And then round one goes by, 
and you're like, damn, like Wells is kind of strong. Like Wells is like had clinch time. You know what it's like. Like round one's over, and you immediately realize, okay, this clearly is not a minus two hundred favorite. This is more like a pick'em. So. I think that could happen here, all right? So, yeah, we're on Wells to win. I do have to make sure I send out some notes to a few followers. I had one guy in particular sending me, like, a few tweets and asking me for my breakdown, and I apologize so much. It took me so late to get this out to you. We were so backed up this week between Bellator and, and PFL. Just really got behind the eight ball. I'm going to have to set a better schedule in the future when I have three events like that in one week. But anyway, yes, on Wells here to be a little bit of an upset here. As a plus 187 dog. And that's another dog that we're on here in the prelims. All right, moving on. Okay, moving on up the card. We've got Michelle Prozeris versus Shavkat Rachmanov. I'll make this one pretty short and sweet. Um, Shavkat is one of the biggest favorites here on the card. He started off around like minus 250. Now he's upwards of like the lower minus 330, minus 340 on certain certain books. Um, he's a big talent. 13-0 is coming in here against... Prezeris. Prezeris has got a great record, 26-3, and three, so he's also got a very impressive record. The things that really pop out to you are, first of all, the size difference, okay? Um, when they when they stand next to each other, it's it's crazy. It's David versus Goliath, for real, okay? Prezeris is 5'6", and like all of just 5'6". Not 5'6 he's 5'6". And then Shavkat is 6'1", so that already looks crazy. The reach is a foot it's a foot difference okay shavkat has 77 inch reach okay and prezeris has a 67 inch reach so oh my goodness now uh shavkat likes to get into the grapple likes to get guys against the fence traditional kazakhstan type of wrestler base you know likes to grapple likes to dirty box you know he's got all that in his wheelhouse but with the one foot reach he's also going to have a clear advantage at striking and kicking and being able to reach Prezeris, and it's going to be tough for Prezeris. Um, I mean, this is a big-time favorite. I, I don't want to get too much into this because the bottom line is Shavkat's going to win, and there's absolutely nothing that you can show me. Like, when I look at Prezeris' record, okay, he beat Gilbert Burns back in 2016. Okay, yes, yes, he did beat Gilbert Burns back in 2016. It was a long time ago. All right, he's got wins over Bartosz Fabinski, Zach Cummings. Like, he's beaten some decent people. The guy's like a little brick, man. He's no, like, pushover. But, man, he's about to run into the buzz, the, the Kazakhstani buzzsaw here, a 13-0 fighter. Guy looks like he's got all the tools to make a serious run in this division. Um, and, look, I almost think this is the perfect setup fight for him, too. Like, you know, the UFC... You know, they have a plan too, right? They want to see certain fighters excel. This is a nice fight. And again, when you look at also Prezeris, I mean, he's 26 and 3. The dude has only lost to Ishmael Nardiev, Kevin Lee, and Paulo Tiago. Like, so he's only got three losses over his entire career. It is impressive, but man, the physical matchup is just too much for him to overcome. I think Rachmanov is clearly the one that's on the rise. Um, Prezeris still has more fighting in him. It's not that he's going to be pushed to the side entirely, but the 39-year-old fighter, I should have mentioned this before, he's 39, and Rachmanov is 26. Again, that's hard to overcome. You're talking about huge size difference, and not just like a size difference where Rachmanov is like a big, fat guy just with long arms. Like, no, he's built, great shape, good athlete. He's going to have the reach, he's got the physical advantage, and then he's got a 13-year youth advantage. So, you know, I wish the fight was closer. So you could bet on it. Uh, I'm just choosing Rachmanov to win, and he's one of my favorite picks on the card. I will be parlaying him. Okay, so no straight-up bet because it's a little too rich there for a straight-up bet. But at minus 275 to minus 300 range, it's parlayable. Minus 300 is pretty much my threshold, but uh, I've seen dumber things put into parlays. I would feel confidence taking Rachmanov. Um, as he how he wins the fight... You know, Prezeris is a tough dude, man. Again, only three losses, and those losses are not knockouts. I mean, he's getting decision losses. So probably Rachmanov by decision. I can see him owning the clinch time. So he's got position points, and then he's going to probably own the striking time. Probably wins all three rounds. I don't see a way in which uh, Prezeris can keep up with the young talent. So we got Rachmanov winning the fight and going 14-0. All right, the last fight on the prelims is going to be Kennedy Ninjoku versus Danell. Danilo Marquez, and this is a light heavyweight bout. Man, I went back and forth. I actually recorded this initially and thought I was on one fighter and kind of go back and like 
did some more research, man. This is a tough one, and no wonder it's a pick'em. It is a it's a pick'em in terms of the money line. Twenty nine year old Kennedy Njoku is coming off of this like amazing fight against Carlos Olberg, which if you if you don't recall, basically Kennedy Njoku was just covered up for an entire round, not even throwing anything back at all. Should have been TKO'd. They should have called TKO. But end of the first round, he just like, okay, I'm done getting hit. And the guy who's fighting him, Carlos Olberg, just runs at a complete gas like a moron. Kennedy hooks him, ends the fight. It's pretty dramatic. It's amazing. You're like, how did that just happen? Um, but a decent win. I, I've got a lot of questions about Kennedy's brains, put it that way. IQ, fighter IQ. I don't mean brains like a person. He's probably a very smart person, not questioning his intelligence as a person or his IQ. But his fighter IQ. To cover yourself up like that, like he did against Carlos Olberg, and risk getting a TKO called, because you can't tell me if you haven't watched that film. I'm not going to exaggerate to you. Imagine this: a fighter literally absorbs 40 shots, 40 shots, uh, like in a row, not returning a single punch. Now he's not getting them hit in the face. He's absorbing them on his gloves. He's blocking them on his arms. But like 40 punches Carlos Olberg threw in a row. And Kennedy never returns a single punch during that period of time. You're just at that point at any moment when the referee's going to just say TKO. I don't know if Kennedy was maybe talking to the referee in the ring and I, you know, you couldn't hear it. But Kennedy seemed like, oh, I'm good. I'm fine. Carlos Olberg is tired. Kennedy just comes out, just knocks him. That's it. You know, fight's over. I just found it to be really risque. Like you won't see that from most fighters that have a fighter IQ. Like, I don't know what that was. It's one thing to do the rope-a-dope and maybe you grab a guy and, you know, clinch him up. But it's another thing that you're literally just, your head's buried in your in your guard. You're taking punches to constantly. So I got some serious questions about where he's at <laughs> mentally and where he's making his decisions. Marquez, on the other hand, doesn't have the reach or the length or maybe even the core strength that Kennedy does. But he's got higher, higher fighter IQ. And he's got one thing I love when it comes to close fights. The wrestling game. He counts on it. He goes to it. It's one of his goes tos. It's 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 one of his hallmarks. I will say in late round two, late round three, when he's going for those shoots, he can be a little lazy with it. He's got to be careful getting his head caught into like a, you know, a front choke or guillotine. Um, and his 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 takedowns are obviously not as effective then in late second round, third round as they are in the early part of the fight. But if he has it his way, and you'll know like round one. So round one, if Marquez can get to Kennedy Njoku, take him to the ground and have position control on the ground in round one, that's going to be the ideal start for Marquez. Um, for Ninjoku, the ideal start would be the fight's on their feet the entire first round. He gets to use those long legs, you know, get some striking going. But, man, Kennedy, another thing about him, again, fight, fighter IQ, slow starter, too. So he's a slow starter, uh, doesn't mind getting <laughs> the hell beat out of him, uh, just maybe for the other guy to get tired. Like, there's just some issues there. So... Now, all that said, this is this is a fight where I'm going to put one unit on Marquez to win, not going to parlay it, and that unit's going to be by decision as a prop and just one unit straight up to win the fight. So those are the two areas I'm going to be betting in this fight. So again, one prop would be decision prop for Marquez to win. The other bet would be just Marquez straight up to win the fight, money line. So that's how I feel about this fight. I mean, if you feel differently, write in the comments. Tell me what your predictions are for the prelim. You know, for the prelims, we're on some dogs and we're on some close fights um but you know i'm always open to hear what you have to say so that wraps up the prelims we're going to move on here to the main card all right the first fight on the main card here for ufc vegas 30 is going to be renato moicano versus jay herbert so coming into this fight uh, mochiano is a minus 250 favorite with herbert a plus 195 dog mochiano has got a 14 and 4 record with one draw and herbert is 10 and 2. so this is a pretty close fight. A little surprised at the minus 250 uh, favorite there for Moikiano, meaning that I would have bet, I would I would have put it around more like around minus 190, 180 after I looked at everything because it's pretty close. It's it's a close fight. Moikiano has a history of uh, some chin issues. Uh, Jay Herbert is coming off of his first UFC fight and he got knocked out by an old man Trinaldo. So there's some questions with both fighters. They're both 32 and 33 respective, so they're run the same age but herbert who's 10 and 2 again has only one ufc fight and he got knocked out in that fight um and it was by a very old francisco trinaldo so with moikiano i i gotta say this his last fight let me look it up right here because uh 
Yeah, so he loses in round one to Rafael Fizez. And I looked at that fight. That was a really early stoppage. I Maybe he loses either way. Like, maybe the guy pounds him a little bit more. But it just looked like he had just taken a clean punch or two. He falls down to his back. You know, he's a guy who likes to, you know, wrestle around the ground and stuff. He's got a good grappling game. The referee just jumped in and stopped it. So, yeah, what it, it was terrible because he, he had now lost two of his prior three fights before that by knockout, right? So that's the big issue here when you look at Moikiano is he's got three of his last four fights he's lost, and those losses have all come by round one or round two knockout KO situations. So he's got that right now. That's part of his reputation right now. Everyone knows it, okay? Um, he did have a nice round one dominant win over Demir Hadzavik back in 2020, about a year ago with the rear naked choke. He's got wins over Cub Swanson. I mean, one of his most impressive wins back in 2018, he beat Calvin Qatar. He also beat Jeremy Stevens, but man, Jeremy Stevens, he's not Jeremy Stevens anymore. Though that was a while ago, back in 2017. So he's been in there with some fighters. He's definitely fought some tougher guys than Jay Herbert, who's only fought one MA UFC fight. I just think it comes down to experience. I think Moicano, we all know it, as long as he doesn't get knocked out, right? As long as he doesn't get his bell rung. I don't think he will. I I like the way he was fighting there against Rafael Fiziev. Jeez, tough name. Um, until he got knocked out. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I like the way he fought against Demir Hedzovic, dominated that fight. So, you know, some of these losses he has, like he lost to Jose Aldo. Like, you know, it's one of the losses he had here. Um, I guess what I'm saying is, look, experience trumps a lot of things. And in this situation here, it's not just experience where he's got more experience. He's like an old man. They're both the same age, but he's got more experience. He's been in there with tougher fighters. He probably shouldn't be minus 250. So I'm not going to bet the fight. Okay. And I'm also not going to parlay it, but I am going to choose Moicano to win. And I'm going to choose him to win by submission. If you like that prop. Okay. So prop bet would be by submission. I would choose a submission prop bet over a decision prop bet. In this particular fight, but we're on Moicano, so moving on from here. Okay, next fight in the main card is Nicholas Dalby versus Tim Means. Now, this is a late replacement here. Tim Means is a replacement fighter, but he's still the favorite. Interesting, right? So he's a minus 155 favorite coming here. 37-year-old late replacement. Nicholas Dalby was initially supposed to fight, uh, yes, yeah, Sergey Kandozehiko. Yes, nice long last name. Anyway, um... I'm going to make this short and sweet. I, I'm I'm on the dog here. I think Dalby, I mean, even if it wasn't a late replacement, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying Tim Means is, is the worst fighter, but I, I, I'm not a big fan. I, I see a lot of holes in his game, very slow at times. Um, he's got a chin. That's one thing. Dude can take a punch. So I, I, will, I will say that. Very, very good chin, very durable, decent cardio. But, you know, slow puncher, slow counter puncher. Um, I, I did like what I saw from Dalby. Dalby was preparing for this fight. He's got a significant advantage from that standpoint. Shocked here to see him at the plus 120 dog. You know, I just thought that was, like, really surprising. I think people are high on Tim Means. And, you know, looking at his fight history and looking at who he's beat, and, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not seeing it, right? I'm not seeing it. The guy's 31-12-1. and 12 and 1. He's got two wins in a row. And he beat Mike Perry by decision. I mean, Mike Perry, like, where's Mike Perry at in his career? You know, like, he beat, you know, Loreno Staropoli by decision. Those were his last two wins. I mean, then he lost to Daniel Rodriguez by a standing guillotine. Like, Daniel Rodriguez back in 2020, who's now coming up, who's a hot prospect. But, yeah, I mean, look, if you started looking before that, the dude was losing every other fight going back to 2017. I mean, look, look at this run here. 2017, he fights Alex Oliveira, loses. Fights Garcia, wins. Fights Bilal Muhammad, loses. Fights Marias, loses. Then Rainey, win. Nico Price, loss. Alves, win. Daniel Rodriguez, loss. And the last two fights, Starpoli and Mike Perry's got two wins back-to-back. -back, so he's due for an L. <laughs> That's not nice. But, yeah, no, I, there's no way I'm banking on him at minus 55. Like, I would almost say, and this, is, this makes no sense sometimes, but, like, if the numbers were flipped around and then Means was the dog, Maybe I would like him more. This is a more or less a pick em, right? This is what we talked about before in the prelims. Like, if it's a pick em and you're not sure, then, you know, hell, fuck it. Might as well put your money in the dog. Might as well get paid more money for your bet if you're going to sit there and not be sure and acknowledge that pretty much we're taking a guess here. 
And when I say we're taking a guess, you could look at Dabby's fighter history, and you could look at Tim Means' fighter history, and you could watch film like I've watched film, but there's a reality here. There's a big question mark. Tim Means did not have a full camp. He's coming in here last minute. He's not 27. He's 37. Just some big, big question marks. All that said, that's why we're on Dalby. Dalby at plus 120 will be placing a wager on Dalby. I think this fight goes to distance, and I think it's by decision for Dalby. All right, so the next fight in the card is going to be Andre Feely versus Daniel Pineda. And Andre goes by the name Andre Touchy Feely. What a cute little nickname there, Mr. Feely. All right, let's just dive right into this and wrap this one up quickly because I don't have a lot to say. I like Feely to win the fight. He's been in there with some tough opponents. He is very inconsistent, so I will acknowledge that. And at minus 230, probably a little bit hard to, uh, yeah, you know, hard to justify why you would place an individual bet on someone at minus 230 who's inconsistent. So I will warn you here, buyers, you know, buyers would beware here on this one. I do think Andre Feely wins. I think Daniel Pineda is slowing down. I think the last fight that he lost to Cub Swanson was an indicator of that. Not just because he gets knocked out by Cub Swanson. It was the reaction time. He wasn't reacting well before that knockout. He wasn't he didn't have good head movement. He wasn't he wasn't avoiding punches. He was taking too many punches. You know, he was showing signs that, you know, here it's not just that he's thirty five. Dude has fought like forty one fights. You know, like he's fought a lot of fights. You know, he's been in there, he's fought he's fought some wars and at the end of the day, he's coming in here two, one and two in his last, you know, four fights five fights. Matter of fact, he had some wins taken from him in PFL. He had two fights taken away from him in 2019 because of steroid issues. Or I shouldn't say steroid issues. He had tested positive for some elevated levels of testosterone in his system. So after coming off of that, he did beat Herbert Burns, which was a nice win. Um, as for Touchy Feely, that dude's super inconsistent. Like, he just lost to Bryce Mitchell. Then he beat Charles Dordain. Then he lost to... Sadiq Youssef, then he beat, you know, Shimon Mares, then he beat Miles Jury, but Miles Jury, my God, Miles Jury is horrible. He looked like poop last night in, uh, what was that, PFL? Anyway, then he lost to Michael Johnson, then he beat Dennis, you know, Bermudez, he beat Lobov, lost to Calvin Guitar. Like his career, it's like loss, win, loss, win. And not to sound cute, but he just lost uh, two of his last three. He's definitely due for a win, right? It's pretty simple math, huh? No, on a serious note, um, man, I, I'm serious doubts about Pineda. I think he's, I think here's a guy who at one point, not too long ago, was like on a, you know, four or five, you know, fight winning streak, was doing well. Then gets, you know, bopped with the whole drug thing, comes off of that, gets a win, but then loses to Cub Swanson. No offense, but Cub Swanson is definitely, you know, tailing off right now. He's definitely getting to his, you know, later years and, uh, you know, he just came out there and beat, you know, beat up uh, Pineda pretty bad. So anyway, all that said, I, I think Philly gets the win here. I would parlay Philly on a few things, but I'm not going to bet Philly straight up. Um, I think Philly wins. Philly, I'm sorry, Wheelie. I think Philly wins by decision here. Um, yeah, I don't think he knocks out Pineda, but now could he find his way to a submission? Prop bets might want to look at are going to be goes a distance. Decision win for Philly possible submission win for Feely. So, sorry to go get my boy Pineda. I do like the guy a lot, man. But, yeah, it's starting to look like he is. It's not just that he's 35. It's that 41 fights, man. A lot of fights. A lot of, lot of traction. A lot of, I'm sorry, a lot of wear and tear on those tires. Not a lot of traction left, right? All right. So, the next fight in the main card is a bantamweight bout between Rayoni Barcelos and Tamir Valiev. This one's going to be a quick breakdown. For two reasons. One, I didn't get as much time to look at this as I wanted to. Again, super duper busy weekend, PFL and, and Bellator. And, oh, my gosh, so behind. But what I did do was I, I did some cheating. I cut some corners. I, I, I threw on some podcasts, listened to some guys that I like to tell. Got a, got a gist for what was going on out there. And the one thing that everyone keeps saying again and again and again and again is that Barcelos is pretty much like a level above Tamir Valiev. Okay, so... This is across the board. Seems like um, this is a fight where the minus two two minus two twenty five is a little high for my liking. So I will not be betting that minus two twenty five straight up for Barcelos to win. I'll parlay him on a thing or two just to have some fun with the fight. But seems to be a little rich for my liking because I don't see where Tamir Valiev just as a, as a you know just a little quick glance at him. He's seventeen and two. Okay, the dude's got a decent record. He's Russian. 
He likes to grapple. He does win technically. He likes to win his fights usually by decision because of position control. But if he gets the perfect position, he'll choke you out, right? Very Khabib-esque. So he's not a terrible fighter. Probably getting disrespected here with this line. You know, um, again, plus 175. He should probably be more like a plus 150. Or, or maybe just should even pick him. So what I'm saying to you is the word on the street, <laughs> the word on the street is that Barcelos is the much more skilled fighter, has more ways to win, you know, um, yeah, and that's what that's what we're hearing. Now he's sixteen and one. He's a very good prospect, but there's another side. Then you, you, you hear some people saying, Well, if Barcelos doesn't come with his A game, if he comes and you know, underestimates Tamir, if he comes in there and just, you know, assumes that he's gonna come in there with an easy fight, next thing you know he runs into a tough Russian who takes him down. Like could Tamir come in here and take him down? And then after round one you're like, Oh no, like, oh, there's that position control. Here we go. That's why I think you don't want to be the person betting even $225 to make $100 or whatever you're going to bet. You don't want to put a full unit on Barcelona straight up. I don't think that's safe here. I think at plus 175, Valeev is a live dog in the situation, though I'm not putting my money there. And again, I'm just choosing Barcelos to win, and then I'll be parlaying Barcelos on one or two different um, tickets just to have some fun with this. So I'm sorry I can't go into more detail. I hope that helps you a little bit on this fight. But even if you do some more research, I think you'll come back to where I'm coming to here, which is that minus 225 is too much. That's too high to spend on Barcelos. And what's the problem with Valev? Like, what's you know, what's there not to like here with a guy who's, you know, coming in here with 7-2 record, fighting out of Moscow, 31 years old. He's actually a little bit younger than Barcelos. So, and Barcelos in some ways, like, he's got some wins. He's got some nice wins. But it's not like he's got a huge signature win on his record. Right? He doesn't have like anything big time on his record. I think the most important fight he has on his record with Chris Gutierrez, like he hasn't beaten anyone really notable. So here we go. This might be the toughest matchup he's going to have in his, his entire career. So it, sh it should be a good matchup. Um, I mean, I hope Barcelos wins because I'm choosing him to win. That's who the one I'm saying will win. But man, I wouldn't be surprised if the Russian fighter comes in here and gives him a handful. And after round one, you're just like, oh my gosh, the damn Russian, you know? So... All right, let's move on. All right, the next fight of the night is the co-main event, which will be a heavyweight bout between Ovint St. Preux and Tanner Bozer. So, Mr. Bozer, if the name doesn't ring a bell, let me refresh your memory. About three weeks ago, he lost to Ilir Latifi by a split decision. And then back in November of 2020, he lost via decision to Andre Orlovsky. So he's coming in here on a two-fight losing streak, which... You know, not the end of the world, right? Uh, unless you should have won both fights. Like, clearly should have won both fights. He fought like an 80-year-old Andre Olovsky. Couldn't get him done. So, lost, lost that fight by decision. Like, really? Then goes three rounds with Lear Latifi because he can't get out of the bottom. Can't get out of clinch control. Can't get up off the mat. I swear to you. I swear to you. Because this was like the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. When he gets taken down in the third round against Leo Latifi in the last fight, which is like I said about two and a half, three weeks ago, he gets taken down in the first like 30 seconds of the round. This motherfucker has the nerve to give a thumbs up to like his corner as in like, oh, I'm good, guys. I got, I know, I know how to, you know, I'm going to get out of this. I know what I'm doing. Dude never gets up. Finishes the round right there where he gave the thumbs up at on his damn back. Loses that round, <laughs> loses a split decision. So if he had won that round, he probably would have won the fight, but couldn't get up against an older fighter, Leo Latifi, who just took him to the ground and owned position. So, yeah, you're not going to catch me anywhere near Bozer. There's no way I'm, I'm picking him to win. I got this as a dogger pass situation. So, you know, kind of like kind of hands off here. Could St. Prue come in here and just look every bit of 39 and just be older and he is a late replacement? And, and I mean, I'm sorry. And he's fighting Bozer, who's a younger guy who's a late replacement because this fight was supposed to be um, initially between... Uh, let me look here. Let me look here. It was supposed to be... Yeah, St. Prue versus Maxim Grisham. All right. So uh, Grisham had his withdrawal for whatever reason, uh, COVID or something like that. So ends up being that Bozer comes in here. Now... One one thought, one philosophy of thinking is that the UFC is like trying to get this guy Bozer on a winning track. He's 29, he's a heavyweight, and you know he's he's decent. Like you know, I would argue that. Well, how do I say decent? Like I guess he's a piece of meat, right? 
He's a piece of young meat for the UFC that they could put in there for heavyweight fights. That's how he's decent. Because as I just said that he was decent, in my mind I thought to myself, like, how would he be decent? Like, he's not decent for the fans. Like, we don't watch Tanner Bozier fight and you walk away like, man, I like watching that guy fight. Like, he's so exciting. And then, like, the way that he, like, goes to decisions and then, like, and then he never gets off the ground. It's so exciting. I love his style. He loses fights against, like, older fighters that are way past their prime that are set up wins for him to win and he loses. I love, like, you know what I mean? Like, what is there to like? He doesn't knock anybody out and he's a heavyweight. He doesn't get cut or cut anyone. No blood. Like Nate, like Nate Diaz. We, we love Nate Diaz because there's a whole laundry list of things that make him exciting, whether it's, you know, smoking blunts in the press conference or just, you know, his whole swag. Tanner Bozer is boring every which way you look at how he fights. So why am I running on a tantrum about this? Because, I was just saying how, well, UFC wants to, you know, get this guy going, feed him, get him a W. Like, but why? Why? Oh, oh, just because you need another piece of meat to get beat up? Okay, that's why. Because no, there's really no other reason why. Like, he's never going to be a real contender. He's never going to, like, I, I shouldn't, I should say never. He's, he's only 29. But something tells me this dude is like, he's hard. He's, he's, he's scared to get hit. Like, he's got, he acts like he got knocked out in his last fight. That's how he fights every fight. Like, he, like, like I just got clipped. I got to be careful. That's how he approaches it. It's like he's a heavyweight with no balls, <laughs> won't push the pace, won't go forward. Let's Leo Latifi just lay on him for a whole round that's supposed to be important and has a nerve to give the thumbs up. Like, I know what I'm doing. Like, he's the guy. One more thing. He's the he's the dumbass who'll come back to his corner and, like, you know, the coach will be like, listen, hey, you know, this is, we're down this round. And he'll be like, no, coach, I think I got that round. And the coach like, no, no, you're, you're down. And he'll be like, no, I, I think I'm up right now. And, like, he'll go out there and fight like he's winning a fight. He's the guy who'll be backing up at the end of the fight. Third round, he'll be the guy like backing up, like, no, I don't want to engage. And meanwhile, it's like, bro, you're, you're losing the fight. Like, that's the kind of guy this is. So anyway, I got St. Prue as a dogger pass. Bozer probably wins. And if the people that are sticking with him bet on him, they're going to be like, yeah, you know, like, all right, whatever, man. That that train has sailed. As far, or, that, that, or that, yeah, is it train? Whatever that, that, that ship. I'm sorry. That ship has sailed. I'm off that. And unless I see some major, major differences with with Bozer, and it's not going to just be from one fight, unless I see some major differences with him where he completely changes gears and does something different, I'm fading that guy, and I'm fading him every single time I see his name pop up on any kind of card against just about anybody. So I'm going Dogger Pass on that one. Okay, we have the heavyweight fight, the main event between Cyril Gaon and Alexander Volkov. So Cyril Gaunt's coming in here 8-0, and one of the prized possessions here of the UFC heavyweight division. Dude's built like a, you know, like a goddess. He's got athletic ability, kicking game, good footwork, light in his feet. I mean, the dude can beat you by submission, by decision, could knock you out. He's got all the different tools you want in a guy who's 8-0, and 31-year-old young prospect for the heavyweight division. And he's a slight favorite here at 157. I will say he did start off as a much stronger favorite. But money keeps coming in on Volkov, which is interesting, and we'll talk about that. Um, but in any case, yeah, there's not much not to like here with Cyril Gaon. Some people will point to the recent fight. Who was it he fought? He went to a decision against, uh, yeah, against Rosenstrike. And people looked at that fight and said, you know, it was back in February. They were like, oh, you know, why did he finish him? And why did he go to decision? Listen, he got a decision win. It wasn't even close. He dominated the fight. He did what he had to do. You know, some fights you're going to finish, some fights you're not. I don't think he's like a a non-finisher type of heavyweight. I think he was smart in that fight. I think he respected Jarzinho Rosenstrike, who's got a knockout punch, as you just saw recently with Sakai. Like, dude can knock someone out. Like, he's got a punch. So, you know, I think in that case, maybe Cyril Gaon was just being, you know, respectful of that power, didn't want to over-engage if he didn't have to. It was an easy easy decision for him to win, okay? He is 8-0. Pretty much hasn't fought much of anyone except for, like, Cyril Gaon. And, you know, like, he beat Tanner Bozer and, that was a decision win, too, which, you know, Tanner Bozer loves to go to decision. But anyway, hasn't fought anyone super-duper special. Volkov, on the other hand, he has fought more people. Obviously, he's 33-8. and eight. He's been in there with some guys like Walt Harris and All-Star Overeem and Curtis Blades and Greg Hardy and Derek Lewis. And, you know, I'm going to say this, and I'm, I mean this with all due respect. Like, what do those names really add up to? Like, what is Walt Harris and All-Star Overeem? Like, what are those guys? Like, the last two years he, he fought those guys. Like, what are those guys really? 
like besides the name, you recognize the name, but like, are they are they just really middling, lower level heavyweights? He beat him. Yeah, he beat him. Like he beat him. Like okay, he beat those guys. Um, but then he also lost to Curtis Blades by decision. You know, in 2020, he also went decision with against Greg Hardy. He couldn't finish Greg Hardy. You know, I just want to put this in perspective. Like he lost to De- Derek Lewis in 2018. So like when you look at like his one, two, three, four, five. Okay, looking at his last five fights. He loses two of those fights to Curtis Blades and Derek Lewis. Wins a decision over Greg Hardy in one of those fights. Like, I mean, is that impressive? Is that enough to beat an animal like Cyril Gaon, who looks clearly like a guy that's, you know, like making that move up of the division? The more I looked at this fight, the more I got to thinking, what in the, am I thinking? Like, what, what was I even thinking about uh, leading towards Volkov? Because I was. I was. I was about to drink the Kool-Aid. Everyone who's been talking about it this week with, oh, he's fought better fighters. Like, listen to what I just said again. Like, who is the better fighters that we're talking about? Like, let's just put a cutoff, right? Where's the cutoff? 2000 and... Let's see the cutoff is 2017. And I'm going to tell you, anything that you saw before 2017 on Volkov's record is, excuse me, no one you're going to recognize. Like, Tim Johnson... Roy Nelson, Atelier Vie, Dennis Smolderev, Chico Congo, Tony Johnson Jr., Ale- Alexei Kudev. I mean, do I need to keep going on? So nothing before 2017 was anything that you would even recognize. So most of these guys are not even fighting anymore. So starting in 2018, he fights Fabricio Wordham, and he gets a round four win, UFC fight night, 127 main event, gets a W. Nice win. Next fight, he fights Derek Lewis, 2018. He loses, gets knocked out in round three. Then he bounces back with a win against Greg Hardy by decision. Then he loses to Curtis Blades. Then he beats Walt Harris and All-Star Overeem. And these are the two guys that now solidify him as having all this fighter experience and all these wins against good opponents. And like I'm calling complete horse nene here because Walt Harris is a shell of whatever that guy used to be. Everyone knows that. So whatever that win was, and that was a win where he kicked Walt Harris like in the stomach, and it would look like more like he knocked the air out of him, <laughs> like kicked him with his toes, like you know, real hard up in the stomach area. And Alster Overeem, really, like Overeem is done. He's not even in the UFC anymore, right? So you know, I- I'm just saying. Look, I know I overkilled that, but I was on Volkov, so that's why I'm trying to warn you. If you were on, if you are on Volkov, and you do believe he's going to win, or you were considering that, that record he has, 33 and eight, you know, it's it looks nice, it looks nice, but there is nothing seriously on there in terms of a win. As a matter of fact, I would argue he doesn't have a single quality win on his entire record. Like if you have to mention the name Greg Hardy and Walt Harris. In, in the list of who he's really beaten, what are we talking about? <laughs> what are we talking about? Like, even if he did beat Curtis Blades and Derek Lewis, right? And so he was like 5-0 in his last five fights, which would look better. Still, who would it be? Like, Curtis Blades, you know, Derek Lewis? It's not like he's beating Francis Ngannou or Stipe Miocic. See what I'm saying? Like, he's not beating the best guys in the division. And, uh, yeah. And so for that reason, I think I think Cyril Ghan is way underrated right here. I think he should be somewhere around minus 250 to minus 300. I think he's going to do a number on Volkov. I think that he comes in here jacked up, like knowing that in the back of his head, a finish is going to do me better for my career. People want to see me unload. Um, and I think he unloads. I think he does like a, a version of Francis Ngannou when Francis Ngannou fought Stipe Miocic. I think... I think Cyril God comes in here and puts puts a puts a hurting on Volkov, knocks him out somehow. It is five rounds. So here's the <laughs> when I talked about that <laughs> that Ninganu fight, I'm laughing because I kept saying before the fight, like Stipe Miocic has to has to survive, you know, twenty five minutes with this dude. Like five minutes around, five rounds, a long time to avoid getting cracked by one punch. That's all it takes from those big guys. I would say that Volkov is subscribing to that same uh, unfortunate, you know, uh, potential path here is that he has to survive 25 minutes, five minute rounds with this 
behemoth of a dude who just can land one punch and just shift everything. So now people could say, well, what if Volkov lands one punch? Yeah, Volkov has power too. He's also got some nice leg kicks, and usually he mixes everything up, and he can you know get some combinations going. But come on, man, look look at this guy gone. Just just one look at Cyril gone. You just kind of get that feeling like if he hits you one time, that's all it's gonna take. You know, whereas Volkov, maybe he's gotta hit you two or three times to get you <laughs> to get you to fall. So anyway, that's uh, that wraps up the the full card breakdown. Just real quickly, just to summarize um, our picks here for the for the full card. Uh, starting off, we'll start with the heavyweight uh, main event. We'll work our way back down. So we like Gagne to win. We like St. Pru as a dogger pass. We like Barcelos to win. We've got Touchy Feely beating Pineda. Um, yes, I'm sorry. And then we've also got uh, Dalby beating Means. We've got Mochiano, or I'm sorry, Mochiano, Mochiano beating Herbert. Marquez beating Kennedy Ninjuku. We've got Rachmanov beating Prezeris. Wells. We're going with Wells as a dogger pass over Alves. And we've got Ike Villanueva beating Prochnio. We've got Stolyarenko. Stolyarenko, the girl who fainted off the uh, the scale. We've got her upsetting dogger pass situation there of Villa. She's a plus 250 dog there. So really kind of interesting little dip and dab. We'll probably put a quarter unit on that, on that bet right there. Um... Last two fights, we've got Rosa eking out a win over Janes, and then we've got Yanti Medeiros, the 33-year-old who looks like he's 40, and we all thought he was 40, but he's only 33, getting a win over Demir Hadzavik. So there's the full card. Again, hoping we could bring some of the mojo to carry over from PFL and Bellator. Did pretty good with those cards, 7-3 and three on each of them. You know, I know I'm asking for a lot, but I'm reaching for that perfect card. I'm reaching for that card where it's like, 12 and 0, 13 and 0, every single one right. So maybe that that'll be this card. Maybe it'll be this card here tomorrow. So I'm always reaching for that. Anyway, um, hope you like the show, guys. Thank you for tuning in. I know this show came out very late this week, and again, I apologize. Gonna have to reorganize my schedule these busy weeks to get these films done in time and get my fighter film research done in time because I don't want to just put anything together on film. I don't want to just publish any show and, and give you guys ideas and tips, and it's not being properly researched. So Forgive me for taking the extra time. I wanted to make sure I got deep into the numbers and looked at the fights and did the fighter research to give you guys an educated opinion on these fights. So um, my apologies. Next week, we'll get these films out in a more timely fashion. Um, all that said, if you like the show, please like and subscribe. Smash that like button. Share our videos. Uh, we don't ask for any money or any donations. All we like, I mean, all we ask for is your likes um, and your subscriptions if you want to follow our channel and get more of our content. So I wish you guys the best of luck at UFC tomorrow night. Um, if you bet on PFL or Bellator this week as well, hope that went good for you. If you're betting on NBA or Major League Baseball or hockey, it is an amazing time of the year. We have a ton of shit to bet on, right? So hopefully you're doing well. Keep it within reason. Take care of that bankroll so you can see it grow a little by little every single day. Wish you guys the best. Peace out.